0: Thank you for listening to The Leader. Please do subscribe through your podcast provider and tell your friends about us too. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Trapped in the virus epicentre, the British citizens China won't let leave.
1: Some families, some couples are facing some very difficult decisions. Some have young children and it looks like only one parent may be able to return back to Britain.
0: Our Deputy Political Editor Nicholas Cecil on the extraordinary diplomatic wrangle over a repatriation flight also. Why is there a shortage?
2: It seems to be a combination of issues. Not everything is produced in the UK, so many large uh, pharmaceutical companies will have manufacturing plants all over the world.
0: Evening Standard Health editor Ross Lydell talks to Tanya Snuggs about his exclusive report into a shortage of hormone replacement therapy drugs. And
3: Lisa Nandy confirms in the interview that she asked to see it and was told no.
0: Political editor Joe Murphy spoke into Labour leadership candidate Lisa Nandy and her demand for a secret anti-Semitism report to be released. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the leader for the whole thing. Pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, why has China been stopping a UK flight from landing in Wuhan?
2: This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the Axis Startup Angel Competition.
1: No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially, no more what-ifs. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
0: The last BA flight out of China landed in Heathrow last night, bringing home some very relieved passengers.
1: It's cost me 500 quid to come back early. My worry was that if I became ill the buses have stopped so whether you get an ambulance or what I don't know
3: actually I didn't know this was the last flight but I think they are really worried because no one is on the street now no cars no people
0: But in Wuhan, an estimated 200 UK citizens are still there, stopped from leaving by Chinese authorities. The British government sent a plane to get them, but Beijing won't give it permission to land because they don't want non-British people getting on it, which could mean splitting families up. Our deputy political editor, Nicholas Cecil's covering the story and he's in our Westminster office. Nicholas, what's going on here?
1: Well, there have been two general issues here. One is general permits, such as consent to land uh, at Wuhan airport. That now seems to be resolved, and a flight is due to, to leave there, heading for Britain at 5am tomorrow morning. The second issue is whether families will be allowed on board if they include non-British nationals. So, so far, the Chinese, Chinese authorities have been saying that non-British nationals and dual uk chinese nationals are not going to be allowed on the plane british diplomats have now for several days been trying to persuade them t- to change their mind on that but as of lunchtime today it's not clear what the situation is
0: and the foreign secretary dominic rouse spoke about the discussions with china earlier
1: we've been working tirelessly the foreign office uh, working with department of health have uh, been working flat out 24 uh, 7 to try and make sure that we can identify British nationals uh, in Wuhan, uh, get them to a muster point, and then get a flight, a charter flight, in and out. This depends on the decisions taken by the Chinese government. I spoke to the Chinese foreign minister on Monday, but we, you know, I can guarantee and reassure uh, people that are out there, their families that are here, that we're doing everything we can around the clock to make that happen.
0: So it could be that this plane lands, but only you know, the father or the mother will be allowed onto the flight?
1: Yes, certainly some families, some couples are facing some very difficult decisions. Some have young children and it looks like only one parent may be able to return back to Britain, leaving the the other parent in a city which really at this stage isn't very much a ghost city.
0: What happens when those who do get on the flight get home, Nick?
1: Well, the current plan and... I must say that plans have been changing uh, as the days have gone along but the current plan is for them to fly to RAF Brize Norton in Oxfordshire then they will be taken by bus to a NHS facility in the northwest there they will be kept in quarantine for 14 days to try and stop this virus spreading and getting into britain they'll be kept under close medical watch um, and the the problem might be that if some of them turn out to be carrying the infection then they could spread it to other people uh, at this facility
0: And concerns about that are rising because it does seem that this virus is spreading faster than people had initially thought
1: Yes, certainly it's that is I think what is causing some degree of alarm among health chiefs and ministers People have been comparing it to the SARS outbreak in 2002 and 2003, and it's spreading far, far faster than that. Uh, Certainly Peter Openshaw, who is the Professor of Experimental Medicine at Imperial College London, now describes it as a very worrying situation, saying it looks like this virus has spread very fast.
0: Yeah, it's obvious that people in the UK are concerned about this virus. We know that... uh Packs of surgical face masks were selling out on the Boots website earlier, and demand for that sort of thing is rising. How are other countries responding to things? Are they as afraid as the UK is?
1: Certainly some countries have already stopped issuing some visas to Chinese nationals. Russia has done that, the Czech Republic has done that, and one area of really growing concern is that if if this infection reaches less developed parts of the world where they've got poor health care and particularly if you've got highly populated areas the concern there is that the virus could spread even quicker and and be have even bigger impact
0: next
2: Some might come in back into stock at the end of February, some March. Some are even predicted to be out of stock until the very end of the year.
0: Health editor Ross Lydell on the HRT shortage that's leaving some women waiting months for treatment. The Evening Standards revealed a shortage of hormone replacement therapy drugs is leaving some women going through menopause, waiting months for treatment. And despite the health secretary pledging to intervene, some drugs will be out of stock until later this year. Our editorial column says that's unacceptable. This is a problem that has blighted lives for too long and must now be urgently addressed by the government. The unavailability of such drugs is having an unacceptable impact on women, who need them to overcome the effects of the menopause. It's obvious this is not a niche issue. Every woman will face this challenge, and it's wrong that the drugs they need to help them are too often hard to obtain. Mr Hancock said this week that the shortages were the result of problems at factories overseas which produced them, and said he recognised the importance of the issue. That's good, but he must do much more to ensure the problem is rapidly resolved. Women across Britain deserve nothing less. The story was broken by our health editor, Ross Lydell, who spoke to Tanya Snuggs from the Evening Standards audio news team. Ross, you've been talking to some women affected by these shortages. Just tell us what they've told you and what you've found.
2: Well the story broke around six months or so ago when it came to national attention that there were shortages of a number of different HRT products and by chance we were actually looking into this a week or so ago when readers got in touch to say they were still having problems despite government pledges back in October to try and stop the problem happening. And the other day at Health Questions in the House of Commons, Munira Wilson, who is the new MP for Twickenham, stood up and asked Matt Hancock, the Health Secretary, what he was doing because she had been contacted by her constituents saying it was still a problem. And basically today's story is the result of both our own research and concerns that she um, raised with Matt Hancock.
0: And what particular, because there's lots of different types of HRT isn't there, what particular type is, is being affected? What is there a shortage of?
2: It's a combination of everything as far as we understand. And what the British Menopause Society found was that some patches are available, some are not. Some might come in back into stock at the end of February, some March. Some are even predicted to be out of stock until the very end of the year.
0: Why is there a shortage?
2: It seems to be a combination of issues, not everything is produced in the UK, so many large uh, pharmaceutical companies will have manufacturing plants all over the world. There can be production difficulties, most typically because of a shortage of raw ingredients. There seems to be a, one issue here with some of the glue that is used in the patches to affix the patch to your arm. On the scale of the seriousness, well, it's not quite the same as running out of insulin, which would mean that somebody's life is potentially at risk but it's certainly something that I'm glad I don't suffer from.
0: I mean, how detrimental is it for these women not to have these drugs? Because it's not as easy as just saying, we'll just get a different drug, right? I mean, it's, it's not that simple,
2: surely. It is not simple at all. One, there's the practical problem that these drugs are prescription drugs. The second problem is that the GP may not know much either about the menopause or about the alternative drugs. So some women we spoke to said they were having to do their own research to find out what might suit them best. The third factor is that the side effects from these drugs are different according to the doses within them, according to the type of drugs. Obviously, we were told that there are actually 34 symptoms of menopause. So you can imagine mm. how varied the kind of suffering that women will experience. It's not like going into Boots and asking for Ibuprofen because Nurofen has run out. Mm. It's just not that simple. The active ingredient in these drugs is different.
0: So what's Matt Hancock said and what is he doing about
2: it? Well, he recognised it was an issue. So he gave a sympathetic response without giving a detailed response. To be fair to the Department of Health, last October, they did impose a sort of trade embargo on HRT drugs produced in the the UK to prevent their export so that at least the stocks that we have in the country shouldn't leave the country to try and prevent the overall number on the shelf not declining. Some politicians have been asking written questions of the Department of Health on this on the scale of this and just this week the Department of Health actually admitted it has no idea how many women are unable to receive the form of HRT they wish. So actually we don't really know how much of a problem this is.
0: And you can hear more from our audio news team with our morning bulletin sent to smart speakers at 7am every weekday. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard.
3: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delaglio, host of the Evening Standard rugby podcast brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: Labour leadership contender Lisa Nandy's challenging the party's high command to publish a secret report on anti-Semitism. She's spoken exclusively to our political editor, Joe Murphy, who's with me now from Westminster. Joe, is Lisa Nandy making a risky move in putting something so controversial within Labour at the heart of her leadership election campaign?
3: It's what she says is about a huge question of trust in the party not just from the jewish community which has been so appalled by what appears to be a rise of anti-semitism not held in check by the Labour Party, but also a question of trust within the Labour Party itself. Now essentially what she's saying is something quite heavyweight, she's saying the party I need to be assured is saying the same thing to one authority as it's saying to us. Now Labour has sent a submission, totally confidential up till now, we've not seen it, to the Equality and Human Rights Commission about what happened to do with anti-Semitism and how those allegations were handled. And so far, this has only been seen by the former shadow cabinet, by the leader and by the deputy leader, and maybe a handful of officials. Um, Now, yesterday, all the candidates for Labour leadership were called in and given a briefing on the work done to tackle anti-Semitism. And Lisa Nandy, Uh, confirms in the interview that she asked to see it and was told no. And Jenny Formby, the General Secretary, said we've taken legal advice, you can't see it. Um, But no reason was given for that refusal. So Lisa said that if she is leader, she will publish it because it's so important to restore trust in the party. It's quite a big thing to raise, it's quite a big commitment to make, but this has been a hugely damaging issue, especially in North London where there are lots of key seats still being fought over over the next few years.
0: When you interviewed her, did she strike you as someone who was expecting to be the next Labour leader? Because she has been a bit of an outsider, although there is some momentum behind her campaign.
3: I think she is one of the most interesting people in the contest by a long way. Um, Now, she says, I'm not in this contest to broaden the conversation. I'm in it to win it. Um, And I'm sure she's having a good go, although she is third placed and um, she is substantially behind in the polls behind the front runners. But she made a very interesting pitch. Interestingly, we met at the Lyric Theatre in Hammersmith, um, which wasn't an accident. That was sending a little message there that this is not just a northerner who's obsessed with buses and the plight of rundown small towns, but somebody with experience of cities. Because little known, she used to be a Hammersmith councillor. In fact, she was the housing spokesman on the council. And she used to be a housing officer in Walthamstow. So she does know quite a bit about the sort of problems faced by young families trying to get on the housing ladder or trying to find places to rent in london i have to say i found her very thoughtful in that she answered the questions all the questions we threw at her she was also very funny and very human
0: so she's certainly very brave is that going to be enough to win the competition
3: she's definitely ballsy it's not going to be enough to win it on its own um you never know she might get some more momentum now but what she has done she's staked out a place in the political debate in this country as a gutsy, brave, principled and I think a lot of people will say, yeah, we'd like to hear more of Lisa and Andy over the next few years, whatever the result of the leadership campaign itself.
0: And that's the leader. You can subscribe to this podcast through your provider. And please do share us with anyone you think might like the evening standards, news, commentary and analysis delivered to them at 4pm every day. Join us again tomorrow on Brexit Day.